welcome to Too Many Movies, the podcast where we discuss DVDs, Blu-rays, and even the occasional VHS tape. I am your host, Hal, and with me here today, Lazy, introduce you. Uh, hello, I am Lazy Bones. I I have a letterbox. I used to have a Twitter until uh, I realized Twitter is a shitstorm, so I don't use it anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty much interests movies animation yeah i mean i used i used to have i used to use the youtube channel i don't really use it that often anymore but yeah i'm just kind of a cinephile trying to watch movies i haven't seen before and yeah nice a, a fellow cinephile who watches cinema hmm who could hey, have speaking guessed? of cinema <laughs> yeah speaking of cinema uh cocaine bear we watched it <laughs> uh, i remember yeah. uh, so go ahead sorry no, I was just gonna. I was just gonna intro it. So, Cocaine Bear, we watched it, and uh, yeah, it's kind of the one of the big movies of this year. This is actually the first twenty twenty three movie I've actually seen. I have not yet watched Ant Man or Knock at the Cabin or Mithrigan, but I have seen Cocaine Bear, and uh, I guess to start off, Lazy, uh, what did you think of Cocaine Bear? I think uh, I like uh, just before I give my like quick thoughts. Remember when we were like trying to discuss like what movie we should discuss like after I chose like a DVD or Blu-ray in your collection. I think we were kind of like wondering what what other movie should we talk about, and like I was just struggling to come up with something. And then he said, "You know what? Want to just talk about Cocaine Bear?" And I was like, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I try to talk about as many other movies as possible on this podcast besides my movie collection because, like, I feel like. You know, if I narrowed it down to just movies in my collection, like I'm kind of alienating a lot of people because not every movie I own is something that people have seen. And I have tried to do recent releases just to kind of like get a conversation going. But then every time I'm just like, hey, you want to talk about a recent release? People are like, no. And it's like, okay. But now we're back to talking about recent releases and it's Cocaine Bear. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect way to start it off. Yeah, perfect way to make a return. I think the last recent release I talked about was Black Adam. So, uh, Oops. Which, uh, controversial opinion here. I think Cocaine Bear is better than Black Adam. Uh, no ship, Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, uh, you start off by giving me your thoughts on Cocaine Bear. What did you think? Okay, so I was excited for this movie for a while now, ever since they announced it. And I can say... I really liked it. It's not, it doesn't like reach what it's, it, it doesn't really reach its creative potential, I don't think, uh, to be fair. Because like, you know, it's produced by Phil Lord and Chris Miller. He usually make a lot of, they take a lot of like one note kind of concepts like Legos or even, I don't know, I guess Cloudy of the Chance of Meatballs or even Clone High, which is just like about these historical figures who went to high school. They're usually great at like taking very, familiar concepts we've seen before or just ones that are kind of one note but it depends on how they execute them and they usually do that very well they didn't write the script or anything but they produced it and elizabeth banks is the director of it and uh you know she i think she voiced uh wild style in the lego movie which they directed so i mean i'd say that i mean like it was a very fun time for me besides the first 20 minutes which were kind of boring mm-hmm Yeah, I mean, so here's the thing. I was not expecting this movie to really wow me in any way. And 
So I'll say this. I liked it. I had fun. Um, it, but I will say it is definitely not what you would think it would be. Like when you think cocaine bear, you think like wild, stupid, crazy movie. And I am a connoisseur when it comes to those kinds of movies. Like I was expecting, well, I wasn't expecting because, but like you'd think I would be expecting like a so insane that it's fun kind of movie, like a akin to like a so bad it's good kind of movie. You know what I'm trying to say? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Which unfortunately it doesn't really reach those levels. It got a lot closer than I was expecting, which I will commend the film on, but you know, as I was kind of, uh, predicting yes it it is uh unfortunately a little too standard at times i think that's what's kind of holding it back from truly being like like you said up to its fullest potential like yeah if this movie was actually as bonkers as it was promising then i'd be singing the the, the i'd be singing its praises like you wouldn't believe um but I didn't hate it. I didn't, I wasn't as disappointed when it came to that. And, you know, I'm sure there's going to be people rolling their eyes when I say disappointed because they assume I mean like, oh, you expected <laughs> Citizen Kane or Shawshank Redemption. It's like, no, I expected Lake Michigan Monster or CIA. CIA, yeah. I, I still didn't get that, you know? It, so it's somewhere in that middle, you know? There's that sweet, sweet middle you got to hit. And that's what. Again, Lake Michigan Monster and CIA, those hit that sweet, sweet middle. This, it almost makes it, but not really. And to be fair, it's made by, you know, a Hollywood studio. Like, they they don't really make those kinds of movies that well. Let's be real. Let's I mean, be they don't. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, despite that, there are things I really like about this movie. I think the gore, first of all, is pretty good. It's a, um, that's awesome, especially that it, ambulance scene. Oh my god the the hospital van scene was fantastic. <laughs> hospital van scene. Yeah, shout out to Xander hospital <laughs> van. But anyway, like, yeah, no, that's a great example of that's if that if that one hot that one ambulance scene. I almost said hospital van scene. If that one <laughs> ambulance scene, you know, if that was the kind of energy that every scene in this movie had, then it would be what it was always meant to be but it's only like a couple of scenes here and there where you get the ambulance scene uh level at level of energy you know you get like the scene where they're at the uh fuck i already forgot the name of it but they, they like literally make a joke about it the the, the pantheon fucking place uh is, it, is that the, like the mountain or like or the place that the people are at in the first scene or which one which one is that the where they where the cop is like on the roof and he has like the duffel bag of coke oh yeah that's right they made a joke about the, the name of that place and i've already forgotten it whoa this is embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh but like but that's what i'm saying like that scene where like it's the scenes that were obviously made to get get a reaction out of the audience, like that's where the movie shines. When it's trying to be like a legit uh, dra drama. Oh yeah, those work. like those do not work. Especially 
towards the end. Like when you start getting into like the quote unquote climax of the movie, that's when the movie really does start to fall flat. It doesn't fall as flat as I was expecting. Like I was really expecting it to like hit the ground hard, like flat on its nose, like Margot Martindale being thrown out of the hospital van. But like, it doesn't like, it's not great. It does not reach the levels of insanity that the first half does, but you definitely do start to feel a bit of the uh, movie running dry on ideas by the end, especially when, you know, Ray Liotta comes in as like the, the, the villain of the movie. It's like, <laughs> like they didn't even, they barely even set like, that up. First of all, like, then like they yeah. have, they have the whole scene uh, near the end where he's like, you're no son of mine to like the guy who plays Han Solo uh, in yeah. the solo Star Wars story prequel that no one remembers. Yeah, and like they have that kid, the Henry kid, just be like, "Hey, man, you're a bad father." It's like, was that a lesson in this movie? Like, what is this? This is a cocaine bear movie. Like, stop, stop trying to have, like, stop trying to have a lesson here. Just like that adds to the cheesiness, though. I think I don't mind that stuff, though. But it's like it's when uh, some of this human drama stuff, though, like, is just when it kind of bogs down, though. Yeah, yeah, like, and I'm not saying, like, you know, I don't want to sound like a, a average kaiju fan here. Where it's like, oh, the monster stuff is great, the human stuff sucks. But it's like, yeah, the human stuff is kind of what drags it down. Now, speaking of Han Solo, Alden Ehrenreich, holy shit, like, what a great actor. <laughs> like, he was awesome in this movie, I must say. Like, yeah, I mean, all the actors were good. His first scene where he's like crying into the pasta, I'm like, holy shit. Like, why was this guy wasted in solo? Like, give this man a long lasting career, man. Like, he's going to be an Oppenheimer. Yeah. Oh, he is an Oppenheimer. Oh, I can't wait for that. (laughs) Oppenheimer has like a huge cast. They have like freaking Emily Blunt and Cillian Murphy, and just everyone's in it. Yeah. And famous Red Letter Media alum, Jack Quaid. I'm looking forward (laughs) to it. It's it's gonna be awesome, but anyway, but yeah, Alden Ehrenreich. Like, I was like, uh, surprised at how good he was. I'm just like, wow, he's really good. I'm pissed that he was wasted in Solo, but I remember being good in Solo. It's just like, get, put him in good movies. Put him in, put him in more Cocaine Bear movies, please. <laughs> Cocaine Bear is a better Bear movie than Solo. Yeah, it is. It is. Let's- I realized that the two movies we're discussing here. Uh, I guess we'll talk about Brazil later, but this and Cocaine Bear. Secondly, they, they're 80s throwbacks, you know? Cocaine Bear, it's based yeah. on an incident that happened in 1985, which I think is the same year that Brazil came out, actually. Same year that Brazil? Wow, look at us. We're, we're <laughs> <laughs> Look at us with the unintentional coincidence. That's awesome. Uh, trying to think of uh, more things to talk about. I honestly, like, I'm kind of surprised. Uh, I mean, the gore in it was awesome. Uh, I love the scene near the end where, like, uh, where like Rayliota's death was so cool though, because like he yeah. was like getting ripped, his stomach was getting ripped apart. Spoilers by uh the bear, and like turned out that the bear had like babies that were yeah, like eating bears. up his intestines and stuff like that. That was cool. Yeah, because the baby bears are high high on cocaine. It's yeah, just like yeah, it's like I that's like cruel, but like hilariously cruel and i wish the movie really doubled down on that and i feel like it kind of does because like it treats the bear eating cocaine as like a superpower and like you know there's literally that scene where like the bear gets shot it falls down a waterfall but then like 
it gets like it gets like a whiff more of cocaine and then it just like climbs back up and you're just like supposed to be cheering it on and you're just like yeah cocaine it's just like yeah there was a part of me that was kind of sad though and like even though this bear like just killed off a bunch of people in the movie like when it died and it's like uh it initially died and like the bear cubs were like all sad like oh like there's a part of me that felt kind of bad though because like you know because like yeah, they're just kids what- and and I remember I was listening to like a podcast recently that was talking about like that, how you're just like supposed to be rooting for the cocaine bear and how like weirdly tonally inconsistent that is. And it's like, yeah, but as me who's watching like such weird and stupid movies, like you, you are rooting for the monster, like deep down, you don't really care about the humans, but what this movie does. And that's why, like, you know, because it's made by like a Hollywood studio and, Hollywood doesn't understand these weirdo movies. They also want you to root for the humans. So like you have this weird uh, tonal uh, inconsistency with the movie. That's basically the movie's like biggest problem is the fact that it doesn't really know what it wants to be. Like, yeah. Is it is it trying to be a legit Hollywood uh, comedy? Is it trying to be like this weirdo horror monster movie like it's at odds with itself with with the tone and like i i mean it's not as bad when it comes to these inconsistencies with like other movies like it's it 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 has some sort of an understanding but it obviously i blame more more so the studio for like kind of holding it back than i do like the filmmakers actually trying to make something here yeah um I think, though, that I think it's kind of weird, though, because like in case you didn't know, like the real life incident that this movie's based on, like apparently because like the bear in real life that ingested a bunch of cocaine, I think never killed anyone and just died of an overdose like 20 minutes afterwards, I think. So oh, there, yeah. there's no the, the, rampage or the, anything. Yeah, no, the original story that this is based off of is horribly, horribly depressing. Just like this random bear ingests cocaine and then overdoses and dies. And then like you know, people are trying to pretend and make a spectacle out of it in this movie. And I and I get it. Like, you're not going to actually base it off the actual true events because, again, a bear overdosing on cocaine is horribly depressing. Like, you're going to just stretch the truth here and just make it into, like, a fun, stupid horror movie. And it's like, I get that. Um, and at first I was a little scared because I did actually read the original uh, story this is based off of when the first trailer came out and I'm like oh my god this is kind of gross but like when you actually watch the movie it's like all right th- this was never really trying to be anything that you know serious is serious exactly so I don't think it's trying to uh it's not really trying to basically kind of uh cap I mean it is kind of capitalizing off of like the phenomenon but it's not really trying to uh you know I guess it's not really you know, it's not really disrespecting the bear in real life or anything, I don't think. It would have been kind of weird if they killed off the bear at the end and, like, they had that whole, like, in-memory-of-the-real-life bear or something like that. I guess that's why there wasn't any in-memory-of-the-bear in that ingested cocaine in real life, but they had yeah. one for Ray Liotta. I mean, they had to because, well, Ray Liotta was, actually did die. But, like, mm-hmm. also, yeah, the bear, the bear did actually die. You know, it's one of those weird things. Like, I, where do you draw the line, then? uh with that kind of stuff but i mean whatever it's it's weird you know like 
I did have fun in the theater. The theater was laughing along at this movie. And I did, you know, I was impressed with a lot of what it did. But at the same time, you know, it's one of those things where I'm just like, I really can't uh, say it wowed me in any way. Like it didn't wow. It didn't wow me to the extent that I probably would have wanted it to wow me is the Mm -hmm. thing. I mean, there are a lot of great scenes that I'd gladly watch again and again, though. So like, um, you know, the whole movie as a whole isn't like perfect or anything, but as like, I'm glad it's like only 90 around 90 minutes long because like a lot of movies now, a lot of movies now feel like need to be like two hours, two and a half hours. They're just stretching like their thin premise or whatever. Even that there's this movie I saw recently. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, or they got to be mini series like the Disney plus Marvel shows. Like, oh, yeah. Just like, oh, we got to stretch this out to six episodes. It's like you really didn't need to do that. Even that movie I saw yesterday uh, as we're recording this, like I saw 65 with Adam Driver and it was like it was 94, 93 minutes long. But like it felt like it was stretching out this whole premise of like Adam Driver just shooting these dinosaurs for as long as it could when honestly it just would have been better it's like a 20 minute short or something like that yeah it's one of those things where like you you're you think of this really neat idea that you'd want to see as a movie then it actually goes through the studio process and then by the end you're just like oh wow this was not nearly as funny as i thought it would be um which is a shame it's a shame i mean i feel like this movie is kind of a victim of that uh, mindset like you're just like what if there was a movie about a bear high on cocaine and then you know what goes through the studio process and it comes out like this admittedly not as bad as i was expecting but i don't know it's not there it's not the levels that i kind of wish it would be you know it's one of the better reddit movies though well you know what that's a very good point this is a very this is very much a reddit movie but like you, you're absolutely right. This is definitely one of the better ones. Because uh, I remember you said all, about unbearable weight, though. Like you know, it's not great or anything, but it's one of the better Reddit movies because it's less cringe and you know it'll be less dated in years to come. I guess. I think Cocaine Bear will be less dated. Yeah, yeah I think so too. That's that. I I think that's already pretty dated because I literally have not watched it since then, and I don't remember anything about it. But just remember this Nick Cage movie. But like, <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, I feel like Cocaine Bear, I th- I think it'll have its place in cinematic history for better or for worse. Again, I, I feel like I'm shitting on this movie and in a way I am, but like it- Because you I wanted really better. Was, I did want better, but I'm not like super disappointed by it either. Like I feel like with like movies in the past couple of years, there are movies that have like absolutely angered me from how disappointing I found them. Whereas like this- it's I'm a little disappointed, but like at the same time, I got the ambulance scene. I got the uh, uh, scene where like the kid gets his head blown off. Uh, I got the, like the different uh, amounts of gore in this movie. Like th- there's things to appreciate in this movie, mostly yeah. the ambulance scene. But at the same time, just there there is stuff to appreciate. And honestly, if there's one or two things to appreciate that's more than i was expecting so you know what good on the movie i love i thought the visual effects for the bear were actually pretty good too i will say they were obviously cgi yeah but i have seen worse so you know what yeah i i didn't mind it it was not that distracting to me 
there were shots that looked really good though i think of the the lighting on the bear and stuff like that i think yeah. looked pretty impressive especially for it's like 35 million dollar budget yeah that's true that's true i think i think this movie will be a big hit 35 million how much has it been making at the box office i think uh it made 23 million in its opening i think it's making like it's probably aiming to make like 72 million domestically uh okay. and it's run so it's not it's not making star wars numbers but you know no it's not making <laughs> well to be fair han solo the actor for han solo was in this movie and solo kind of flopped so yeah solo didn't make star wars money but like it didn't really deserve to yeah but yeah you know what uh, i think even though even if it won't make like gangbusters i think it'll find its uh audience i i, I think it'll find i mean it has found its audience people are talking about it but like I don't think this movie's going to go away necessarily. I don't know if it'll necessarily be like a a cult hit in the coming year. I mean, it probably won't because it will probably make money. So like, you know, cult hits never really make money in, in their first round. But I think a fan base will uh, persist over the years is my prediction. Yeah, least. I'd say so. I don't think I don't see this becoming like a classic in the sense that it's going to win everyone over, but I see it. No. It's, it's, it has, it's going to find it's some kind of longevity in the, in its long run, I think. Yeah. And when it comes to movies that like, uh, have some sort of longevity in the past couple of years, I wouldn't be mad if this one did, like if it found a fan base, like I, I would not be mad at that. There's other movies I would be mad if they found like a long lasting fan base, but this, this one I would not be mad at. Definitely one of the, probably I've ranked it technically right now as like the best movie I've seen this year, but, uh, you know, I've only seen like four movies this year. So, you know, I've seen one movie this year <laughs> and it is the best and the worst so far. It was better than Megan though. I will say that. Yeah. I still have not seen Mithrigan. Maybe Mithrigan. Oh, I forgot to call it that. No, that's fine. I'm sure lots of people have. Um, all right, was there anything else you wanted to say before we wrap up our cocaine bear discussion? Oh, I like the part at the end where uh, the Hans, uh, I keep calling him Han Solo, but the Alden, uh, I can't pronounce Alden, like, because uh, like, Ehrenreich. Alden Ehrenreich, uh, I can't pronounce it, but, you know, I, I like the part at the end where, like, because it's established earlier on in the movie, like, that this police officer character is given this, like, cute little, like, doggy or something like that. And then at the end, like, because uh, I think that Alden's character is so depressed throughout mo- most of the movie and that the I think at the end, he's given the little the little female dog at the end. Like it's his support animal. That was cute. Yeah, that was wholesome. Again, though, like in a movie like titled Cocaine Bear, that's just promising, like just blood and guts and stuff like that. It's like wholesome. I don't really want in my uh, stupid horror movie, but whatever like yeah i admit it was very wholesome i, I had a smile on my face because only alden aaron Wright could uh perform that i guess <laughs> it definitely was not as bad as it could have been but it was not as good no. as it could have been though exactly i'm glad it's it wasn't a disaster in... yeah i think if that ambulance scene wasn't in it it i would most definitely give this a five out of ten but that ambulance scene definitely bumped it up so god bless the hospital van scene I give it a seven, mostly because the scenes in it that are that are good are really good, and uh, I'd say that most of it's really enjoyable. I'd just say like the first twenty minutes are kind of bland or whatever, but I really liked it yeah. overall. I'd watch it again. Mm, okay, would you own it on physical media? 
Maybe. Okay. Do you have much of a physical media collection? Oh, I do. Yeah. I, I've started collecting ever since like 2020 or 2019. So yeah, I have a nice. bunch of most of my favorite movies I have on Blu-ray or Criterion. I'm starting I'm starting to collect 4K right now because I just got a 4K TV and a nice. and a player, so. Yeah. So yeah, that's usually how I like to round off our discussions on the movies is like, would you keep this in your collection? And would I keep it in my collection? And um, I feel like the more I'm talking about it, the less likely I am to buy it on Blu-ray. But I don't know. I can't really say it wouldn't be welcome in my collection. I'm just It's not one I want to like go out the second it comes out on 4K or regular Blu-ray that I want to get it in uh i want to get it like i think I, I if anything i'll take my time um if it ever does get make its way into my collection um yeah so yeah i'd buy it on blu-ray just so just to put on for part just to put on for people at parties i think mm, yeah <laughs> a good party movie oh i gotta make a list of what i would put on at parties maybe cia oh yeah definitely uh, and just invite some people over and just watch the yeah, little mermaid three ariel's beginning i'd show at parties yeah if you ever want anyone to leave at a party you put on bell's magical world Ooh, that'd be a good idea yeah nobody would want to sit through that <laughs> not even me or tarzan and jane i'd put on tarzan and jane and they'd be out of there they'd be out <laughs> there in like the first 10 minutes yeah I, i'd even leave my own house if i put on tarzan and jane <laughs> <laughs> or put on Marmaduke 2010. That's how you get everyone to, uh, you know, stay at the party. Oh, that's true. That's when you get people to stay. If you want people to leave, you put on Marmaduke 2022. And you put on the specific scene where he shits in a trophy. Uh, <laughs> that's how you get people to leave. Imagine, like, you're at a party and, like, Marmaduke 2010's on. And everyone's doing it. Everyone, all the dogs are doing, the, like, the doggy dance at the end. And everyone at the party starts doing it. <laughs> Oh, that'd be so cursed. Uh, <laughs> so cursed. Hey, well, speaking of cursed, um, we watched a movie that also uh, may contain some cursed aspects to it. Maybe some cursed imagery, if you will, I think is what the kids would say. Because uh, there is a lot of dark imagery in Brazil. You know, I, I'd probably say that sounds about right, wouldn't you say? It would. It's called the smile. The smiling friends go to Brazil. Directed by Terry Gilligan. Ooh, very nice. Rounded it off to you. Related it to smiling friends. I, you know what? I probably would have done that if I was smart enough. But me, me, not smart. But yeah. Anyway, we watched Brazil. Not to be confused with that country that Rio takes place in. No, a movie called Brazil by director Terry Gilliam. Uh, it's really only called Brazil me. because of the. Uh, the song at the opening but is that why it's called brazil i think so i think that's the only reason because i don't it doesn't obviously does not take place in brazil and uh the opening song is just named after brazil i think because it starts brazil i don't know i don't know the lyrics but yeah no i've if that's the only reason that's interesting i didn't know that uh but yeah brazil noted for being uh the nostalgia critics favorite movie ever yep which... the the reviewer we've memed on <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Which is really interesting now that I think about it. It's like, wow, Brazil's your favorite movie. I mean, I you can kind of see it in his style and personality a little bit. The yeah, kind of bonkers, you know, fast paced. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Now that I think about it, that's true. Um, but yeah, Lazy, what'd you think of Brazil? Okay. So this is my second time watching this movie. Well, I guess technically I watched it three times if you want to cut the, uh, if you want to call, if you want to, uh, count the, uh, the Love Conquers All cut that we watched as well. Cause we watched, mm-hmm. there's three versions of this movie. There's the director's cut, there's the theatrical, and there's the Love Conquers All TV cut that's only 94 minutes long. Okay, so there's a difference between the two? Okay, I didn't know there was three different cuts. I know, so I so uh, so let me just say, so I own this on a Criterion DVD from 1999. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, so it's like a three-disc uh, set, this uh, Criterion. And it's and because it's from 1999, and even though it advertises itself as widescreen, it's technically not. It's widescreen, but for four by three TVs that were made in 1999, and not 16 by nine TVs that most everybody has nowadays. So, while I was watching this movie on my 16 by nine TV, uh, you know, had the black the, bars. The black bars. It was just surrounded by black bars. Uh, it was, it was a little distracting, um, but it was still kind of neat seeing, like you know, the old aesthetic of 1999 uh, DVD menus. But anyway, uh, so this uh, specific DVD that I have of Brazil. So it comes with the uh, what is described as like, so so it's the director's cut. Um, or the final cut is how it's described, which is the, it like takes aspects of, okay, so it gathers footage from both the European and American versions. So, so that would be the director's cut, correct? I think so. Yeah. The director's cut is the, is the longest one. It's like 142 minutes long. So, okay. That's the version I watched first. Me too. Yeah. So, okay. So, but that's not like the theatrical cut i think the theatrical cut is like 10 minutes shorter okay so and the tv cut the (laughs) it's very complicated yeah so so the versions i have seen are the final cut and the love conquers all cut so i have not seen the theatrical cut which i'm assuming the theatrical cut is the version that uh well it doesn't come with this so like i'm just wondering like how legit that version would be i don't know what the difference are differences are between that and the director's cut though i know the yeah. the love conquers all cut it's obviously just like pretty pretty much just ripped out a, a bunch of scenes from the uh director's cut obviously but yeah so so i have seen the, so the the final cut is the version i would say is probably the most uh accurate to what gilliam wants out of the movie in which yep. case i loved it a lot it was bonkers and insane and crude a little messy i will say in some aspects but like not in a way like it it comes together in the end a little messy but in a way where i'm just like okay this kind of rocks you know same you know it's uh, this is everything i could have ever wanted out of a movie is what i said in like my initial uh review on letterboxd and what i mean by that is like the visuals are just fantastic. The story is just really compelling in a way that like it's pretty relatable to begin with. It gets a little weird towards the end, but then like 
you know, then it starts kind of encompassing a lot of uh, crazy symbolic energy to it. And like, it just throws a lot of stuff at the wall. And depending on your movie, that can either annoy or engage me. In this case, it really engaged me. Yeah. Uh, just because of the way it, like, just just because of the way it's like tackling a lot of these issues. And, and obviously, like, like I said, the visuals, like the visuals are what really grabbed me for this movie. I freaking love the aesthetics that this movie throws at you. Oh yeah. It's Especially the dream pure, sequences. Yeah. Dream sequences are fantastic. They're purely eighties. A lot of it reminded me of the dark crystal as a huge dark crystal fan. So that was really cool seeing. And again, because of the, like, the story being so weird it really just it, it really they really complement each other i must say the story is definitely like down to earth enough to like we're like we as the audience are able to relate to like the main character sam blurry oh uh, my god so there's this there's this scene at the beginning when like he's it's the scene where he gets up for the first time like he's like waking up and he's like going through his motions and like there's that and so like he's like you know, going, going around his apartment, getting ready for work and the TV's on. And he's like, always has his like eyes glued to the TV as he's like, like fixing stuff and like doing stuff, like making breakfast and stuff like that. And it's like, holy shit. Like that really cut me to the core because like every time I'm like getting ready for work in the morning, I always have like my phone, like I'm playing like an Oni plays playthrough let's play on YouTube. And I'm like, have my phone, my eyes to glued to my phone. And I'm just like, Oh God. But like it, it, it's not like a one to one. But like I, I completely understood in that moment. I'm just like, oh shit! Like I'm being called out here. Like, oh, it was. Like, uh, he just like me for real, for real. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like it's done in so in a way that I'm just like, oh, that's brilliant. And just like the every t like there's that there's like all those that scene where like uh oh what's her face Jill is like at the police headquarters or whatever and like she has like all these cameras like going in her face and it's just like oh god and like every once every once in a while there's an explosion and a terrorist attack and people are just like kind of indifferent to it after a while and you're just like <laughs> oh how relevant but like in a smart way i feel like that's one of those things where like you could absolutely screw up that kind of uh subplot in a movie or like that those kinds of themes in a movie like you could absolutely screw that up in a way that like you come across as either pretentious or uh what, what's the word i'm thinking of? Uh, on the nose on the nose like yeah like you you come across as just like kind of shitty in that sense and you're just like uh i'm being talked down to but this movie never feels like it's talking down to you like it does these things in such a clever way and it's it's brilliant. I love the scenes of like when he's up in uh, when he's up when he gets promoted and he meets uh, what's his name, Mister Mister Warren, and he's just, and Mister Warren's just like running around like with all these people behind <laughs> him. He's like, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Oh my god, it's brilliant. It's so funny, but like so clever. Oh, it's basically god, kind of like a more a kind of a more funny comedic like take on something like Blade Runner where that's like a depiction of like a of a, a dystopian future, you know, but that's it's like a great way of putting it. It is a much funnier Blade Runner. Like, and I love Blade Runner like so much. So yeah. that's one of my favorites too. I, yeah. It's one of my favorites, but like, you know, Blade Runner is obviously a lot more slow, a lot more serious. This, yeah, this is definitely Blade Runner, but funny. Uh, that's, 
Oh, that's a good way of putting it. I didn't even think about it that way, but yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, I guess maybe to like kind of pull it back a little, let me talk about something I'm not a fan of. And that is, uh, and this is probably the reason I haven't given it like the full five stars. I feel like if this movie tweaked this aspect a little better, I would probably give it the full five stars or maybe it's something that'll grow on me and then I'll eventually give it five stars. But the reason I gave it four and a half is like, I'm not so much a fan of the romance aspect of this movie. I, I don't know. What what did you think? Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I guess like it's a bit more interesting than your average romance, I guess. Cause like, you know, the, when Sam eventually meets like, uh, his love interest that he's been dreaming of, like for like, for most of the movie beforehand, before he, before he meets her, you know, I think it's, I mean, like she kind of is more indifferent and like, <laughs> there's even a point where like she kicks him out of the truck that she's, that he's, that she's driving. And I think that's pretty funny. Uh, I mean, like, I think like, I do kind of think that maybe the romance could have been fleshed out a little bit better. Cause you only really get to know them for like, maybe like, like the last quarter of the movie before, you know, they fall in love and everything. Yeah. So that, that scene where she kicks him out, I love that scene. Like where, especially he's just like, where he's like uh, confessing to her and she's just like, Oh, you're just like my type. And he's like, I don't believe you. And she's like, why? He's like, cause I don't deserve such tremendous luck. It's like, Oh, I love that. That's a great scene. I love that. That's in the movie. Like, cause yeah, you never see that in any movie like this or like, you never see that in any movie. Like it's just such a great back and forth. I love that. Yeah, a lot of great comedic but... scenes with the, uh, you know, especially like the opening scene uh, where like the the troops are like arresting this guy they confuse for, uh, you know, Robert De Niro's character because he's basically like doing like activity that's considered illegal. And so like when uh, this wife is getting like her husband like arrested, uh, and then like they they basically sack him. And they take him away and like they and they go up to her and say, by the way, sign this here, here, here. <laughs> you know, yeah, I think she that's goes funny. Along with it. She's actually like signing it. It's <laughs> like, yeah, that that's kind of like that dark humor I love about this movie. Yeah, totally. Um, but my original point uh, about the romance, it's like, yeah, I think and to add to that dark comedy, like that scene where he's just like, I don't deserve such tremendous luck. Like, that's funny. But I don't know. It's the fact that he's like so obsessive with her and I, I guess it's funny you said that this is like blade runner but funny because like another like an aspect of blade runner i don't like is the romance um you know just how like kind of sudden and weird it is um which i do have a bit of a uh defense for it in a sense it's like okay maybe the reason he's so weird about it is because well he's a weirdo he's a lone loner like and so when he actually sees this woman who he thinks is the woman in his dreams, he doesn't really know how to interact with people. So like, of course, he's going to be like kind of weird around her. And like, yeah, it is this weird thing that he's saying, like, oh, you're you're, you're in my dream. My dream. Yeah, exactly. I it's love like, you. No, I mean, in my dreams. Yeah. So in that sense, I'm OK with that because it's like, OK, you're a weirdo. But I don't know. I guess it's the fact that like the movie still treats her as like, okay with it after a while. Like, you know, cause later on they do become like a couple's quote unquote. Now to be fair, maybe that's more so the fact that like the reason they become a couple later on is because they don't actually like, maybe this is all in Sam's head. 
you know? Because, like, obviously towards the end, it's all in Sam's head. Yeah. Like, especially, like, the, the climax, you know, how but Robert De Niro's character is, like, rescuing yeah, him. Rescuing him. And then, like, you know, it's revealed. It's like, oh, it was all in his head. And it's just like he's totally lobotomized by the end. He's totally just gone. And it's like, okay, maybe maybe even before that he was long gone. Like, maybe a lot of this movie is just in his head. Like, it's all just, like... Because then it just kind of it's just like the downfall of this guy just like being trapped in this situation and he's just like imagining all this stuff and like he just completely loses it by the end. So like, you know, to say that like the before he completely loses it is like 100% accurate. Maybe that's not entirely true. Maybe like the whole movie this whole time has just been kind of weird and out there and not entirely 100% grounded in reality in which case I'm okay with that then like that a couple episodes ago I was just talking about The Shining and how like I love that that movie's not 100% grounded so if that's the case with Brazil holy shit like I freaking love this movie a lot more then you know yeah I mean it, it kind of does make sense like the ending especially when you like look at it from the other like chunk of the film yeah, so I will say, like, the first, so, like, as the climax went along, I was just like, oh, this is getting weirder and weirder. And, like, the back of my head, I'm like, God, I hope they really bring it back in, like, they really bring it back at the very end. And, of course, you know, there's that scene where, like, it's, they're going into the sunset and, it, like, pans out. And then, like, Michael Palin and uh, Mr. Heltman, like, just kind of, like, show up, like, in that image. And then they're just like, oh, he's gone. And then, like, it just ends on him just, like, uh, humming some song as like the credits roll. It's like, oh, mwah, perfect, perfect ending. I love it. God, like, and that's when I'm just like, okay, maybe the whole movie was not 100% realistic, in which case, brilliant. Like, I love it then a lot more and I need to watch it again, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I love that there's two tones to this movie. Like there's the, uh, yeah. of course, they're depicting like this kind of cynical, like, uh, you know, you know, capitalist society and in the middle of it, like, again, we've mentioned that Sam, like, often, like, dreams this kind of fantasy reality where he has to save this lady that he dreams of, uh, you know, a lot and, like, he has a sword and he can fly and stuff like that. And, like, mm -hmm. yeah, so, like, there's definitely, you know, it's kind of almost, like, a way of, like, him escaping, like, the kind of nihilistic uh, world that he has to live in. Yeah. I, that's what I appreciate about this movie. It's nihilistic and uh, depressing, but like, it is also really funny. Yeah, like, it has a sense of humor to it, and I appreciate that. I I like that it's like kind of you'd think like you know this like depressing outlook and with a bit of comedy would be like clashing tone wise, but like it actually works. Like it it, it works really well in a way that it separates itself from like your typical dystopian. Uh, movie like i i like that it's it's so good i feel like there's just so much i could talk about with this movie but it's almost perfect for me it's yeah it is i'm sure if i watch it again uh i'll realize it is perfect for me like i honestly like i'm glad we chose this movie because like i've always wanted to see it and obviously the first time i watched it much like any other movie like i'm just like oh that was weird but then as you start to think about what it's attempting then you start to appreciate more and more yeah i think like i remember the first time i watched this movie like i think it was like 
three years ago or something like that. I think I, w- I would have been a little younger. So I like, I, I, like a lot of what the movie was going for kind of went over my head. But now that I've rewatched it, I'm like really went over by its really unique world. And like just a lot of the great themes and elements of it are just in the way it kind of depicts this like dystopian future, but in a way that is completely different from everything else, every other piece of, piece of media that does so. Yeah, like you said, it is very similar to Blade Runner, but again, it it's funny. Like it has a sense of humor to it, whereas Blade Runner didn't. Now, obviously, I can't really say which I would rather prefer because it's been a couple of years since I've seen Blade Runner and Brazil. I literally just watched within the past couple of days, so like it's kind of hard to say. But I think both are going for different things, though, too, because yeah. and also to, both are going for different things, so it is unfair to kind of pit them against each other. But they're kind of like different, uh, you know, apples and oranges, but, you know, exactly. but I think, but you know, Blade it, Runner, interesting to think about. yeah, Blade Runner is kind of like sort of a neo-noir film, I think more so mm-hmm. than like Brazil is in that I'd say it's kind of similar to Chinatown in a sense, you know, but in a sci-fi setting. Yeah, yeah that's a good way of putting it, I would say. Um, so, uh, uh, I want kind of I want to kind of move on to talking about the Love Conquers All cut, if you don't mind. Yeah. So, you and you watched it, correct? Mm-hmm. I did last okay. night, and uh, it was yeah, it was did. not as uh, good as the, the director's cut. So, so here's the weird thing. So, in a sense, it feels like the exact same movie, barring you know the first scene and the last scene, but like. It doesn't feel genuine. Like, it feels like the first movie, but, like, not genuine. It's really interesting, actually. So, like, obviously, it starts off really weirdly, actually. So, it starts off kind of similarly where, like, you know, it has uh, uh, the guy... The, the guy in, like, the, compu- uh, the computer writing down that, like, Tuttle's being arrested. And then, like, the fly drops into the typewriter and it malfunctions and it instead says, Buttle now. Uh, but then like, there's a, no, wait. So that's the intro in like the original version. But then like in this version, that's after the title drop. What actually happens is like in the, the opening. So there's that opening where like it zooms out of like that TV, uh, store. And like, there's that advertisement for the, the heating ducts, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And then. And so in the original, it just explodes. But like in this one, it zooms out. Then it cuts to the dinner scene with uh, Sam. The waiter saying bon appetit. Yeah, bon appetit. And then and then that and then that scene has like a terrorist explosion. And then it cuts to the Brazil title. It's so confusing, especially like if you haven't seen the original version or the director's version. Yeah, it's so out of place and so edited poorly it's just like who thought this was a good idea like especially who, since the dinner scene isn't even in the movie uh the yeah. director i mean the tv cut yeah and the tv cut it's like who okayed that like it just doesn't it, it like and how does that apply anything to the movie like that's what i'm just kind of wondering it just it feels broken like it feels like a mistake but apparently it was aired in tvs like that weird okay and then, like, the rest of the movie, you're, like, watching it. But you feel this, like, kind of sense of, like, I don't think the producers who okayed this version even get what they're watching. Like, I don't think they get it, you know? I felt like it was speeding like, through the whole thing. 
Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, oh my God, speeding is like a good way of putting it. Like, it's just like snip, 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 like you're just like going through the motions, but like, you know, you're still getting the same lines more or less, but like, you're not getting the same impact. It's also it's a good really indication weird. of how, uh, it's not always about what story you tell, but how you tell it. Exactly, exactly. Like, I, I made a joke in my letterbox review for the Love Conquers All version where like, it's like that scene in that Simpsons episode of where they, where Millhouse runs away from the radioactive man set and they're just like thanks to modern editing techniques we can finish the film without millhouse and like they make like this incomprehensible garbage that's like sort of weird and then like the editor gets fired and that's the joke but like but that's what this move that's what this version of the movie feels like like that but unironically but also they didn't miss anything like they had all the elements on how to make the movie good. They just chose to not include them and to make it worse. So you're like, why would you do that? <laughs> like, what yeah. sense does that make? And then and then you get to the ending and the They have the happy, happy ending. Happy, happy, joy, joy, which was really funny. So the happy ending is literally just the obviously the scene. So in the original cut, it's when Michael Palin gets shot and then Robert De Niro comes swooping in to save him. It's like, okay, that's so obviously the dream sequence after you realize that it was a dream sequence. But in this movie, it's taken literally. <laughs> and yeah. it's really funny. So like they, but they still include the scene of Robert De Niro, like disappearing in the pile of papers. But then it cuts to him with Jill. Cause like, that's the scene when like he's with Jill in the truck but like, what sense does that make? Because like, it literally just cuts from him like searching for Robert De Niro in the papers to then him with Jill in the truck, and then it cuts to them in that countryside with the truck. And there's that scene where she like walks into the house and she like looks over, and it's supposed to be him like sleeping, but it's so obviously the scene from the opening when he wakes up in the house. Like it's it's literally just that, but like freeze framed on that, which is really funny. Like, I don't know if you caught that. I didn't catch that, actually. Yeah, no, it's so obviously just a screenshot of the opening scene of him, like, waking up in his original apartment. But, like, they they literally play it off as, like, oh, he's in the house asleep. It's, like, it, to bring up The Simpsons again, it's literally, like, that scene from uh, Homer Badman where, like, he is like getting interviewed and they like edit the interview to make him seem like a monster. And like, they literally have like a screenshot of him. Like uh, just, they use like a screenshot of him in that interview. It's, it's literally just a Simpsons joke, but for real, like unironically, it's fascinating that these people did that. It's so funny. I think I kind of remember it now that you mentioned it. Like, I mean, it kind of like the whole ending miss missed the point of the original. Yeah, so not and obviously I was expecting that because it's like, oh, you're using the happy ending, you misunderstand. But even beyond it misunderstanding the the original ending, this happy ending is edited so poorly that you're just like, this is a joke, right? Like you're not actually trying. Like this is so obviously edited so poorly. And this is so obviously not the intended ending. But like, you know, you'd think you would actually edit something funny or happy like you would actually edit it in a way where it makes sense like it's not even edited in a way that makes sense it's literally just the happy 
it's mind boggling. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going insane just trying to even like rationalize like what it is, what it's actually trying to do. Like I probably sound like a madman trying to <laughs> describe this, but like it's literally blowing my mind. Like you, you know how the Little Shop of Horrors, the original. Oh yeah, like there's like the and, happy ending, and there's like the yeah, and then there's the happy ending. But like I've only ever seen the happy ending of Little Shop of Horrors. I've only seen like, the dark ending actually interesting like yeah no i've always wanted to see the dark ending but like i've only ever seen the happy ending of little shop of horrors but like even though i know it's a fake ending and like you know i'm feeling cheated it's still edited in a way that seems like it makes sense like it doesn't seem broken like the the happy ending of little shop of horrors actually feels like it fits within the movie like i know it's not the true ending that frank oz wanted but like it doesn't feel that half-assed. Like, it actually feels like a genuine ending to the story. It's just not the intended ending to the story. It feels like, it just feels like they half-assed the ending to, like, the TV cut where, like, yeah. you know, they, they just gathered all the footage they could and just threw it at the, at the monitor. It's mind-blowing. It's like, how could anybody watch this on TV and, like, feel like they're getting, like, an actual finished product? Like, it feels broken. It's just, like, it's hilarious. It's so funny. And like, oh my God, I love the way that uh, the Criterion DVD describes it. They're just like... They wanted uh, it to become more commercial. Yeah, more commercial. But, but they're like, making it I more confusing. But, but like, it, it just blows my mind because it's like no person is going to watch this. And like, I feel like even the most general of audience members would be would feel like something is off by this ending. That's the point I'm trying to make. It's like, it's... Anyway, I, I love the way that like uh, Criterion, like the Criterion DVD describes this. So they're just like, in the hope of making the film commercial, stands as a fascinating document of the power of editing to change a picture. Everything is different in this. The only Brazil not cut by Terry Gilliam, sometimes known as the syndicated television version, and includes all the outs and all the cuts and changes Gilliam refused to make, from the alternate ending to the infamous happy ending from the alternate opening to the infamous happy ending. I love how it's like trying to put a positive spin on this. Like they're just like, Oh, the power of editing can change a film. It's like, Oh my God, you're holding back your laughter from just saying like, this sucks. Like, <laughs> and it does like the love conquers all cut. Like what a fascinating, just piece of garbage it is. It's so, I kind of love it just from how broken it is. The only know? thing I really got out of the TV cut is it kind of, like I was rewatching some scenes of it uh, because some of it is kind of uh, the same as the original, but just sped up, yeah. you know, yeah, but exactly. uh, especially like that one scene where like, uh, like if I can't like that whole scene where like, he's going back to like the mother, the, the, the wife of Mr. Buttle that was like taken away. And like uh, the way and like the whole, the way the scene goes, goes about, is just so confusing, even for someone like me that, saw the director's cut like they just mm -hmm. like all of a sudden he just sees that vision of uh the girl in his dreams and like a reflect a mirror reflection but like it just feels like it comes out of nowhere like wh yeah. where did that come from yeah exactly and then like like cuts back to like the the or, or no i think that's a different scene where he sees jill for the first time and like but like it cuts to like his dream sequence even though the dream sequence happened like 30 seconds before so because like you know the movie thinks you're an idiot for not remembering that it's like i remember i'm not an, i'm not a moron it took like, out a lot of the dream sequences except for the first yeah. one well yeah the first so the first one which also to uh make sure you know it's a dream sequence so in the original cut 
it literally just when like uh ian holmes character is just like where's mr lowry there's like you know it cuts to him like gliding in the sky and then uh, as time goes on then it like fades out and then it's like oh it was a dream sequence but like in this movie in the love Con- in the love conquers all cut it's like where's mr lowry it cuts to him asleep and then it like fades into the dream sequence and that's way worse because- and because the movie thinks you're an idiot, it puts like a dream filter over the dream. And it's like, okay. I noticed I that. It. Like it had the white uh, like, things yeah. over it. And you can barely see what's going on because the dream filter is like so overpowering. It's like, okay, I get it. It's a dream. Like I got that within when watching the first, when watching the original cut. Like I got that. Like, but it's, oh, God. Ugh. Yeah, I get it. You, I get it. Movie, I get it. Love conquers all. You think I'm an idiot? Oh, it's just. Ugh. Also, if you're trying to cut down the uh, cut down the runtime just to have it on syndicated television, then why are you adding that one clip of him like sleeping right before the dream sequence anyway? It's oh my god. Oh, so bizarre. I, it's. Uh. <laughs> it reminds me of the. Uh, I haven't seen the theatrical cut of Blade Runner, but the way yeah, they. Have that ending where like he's just going on a vacation or something like yeah, that. It feels like a freaking parody. Like what the hell are you thinking? I hear that original theatrical cut, like you know, like during the credits, it uses like unused scenes from like The Shining. Like a oh, I heard of that. Shot. Yeah, and it's like how out of place because Blade Runner and The Shining, two movies I love wholeheartedly, but like different visually. Like that would just seem out of place. That's so strange to me. Uh, great directors getting their movies butchered by studios yeah god it's but it's fascinating like i kind of love that like it just it's i kind of love that this movie like this version of the movie is so shit just because it understands nothing of what made the original so good It, it made me really appreciate the original even though i love the original already i i love that this movie so much now just talking through it and like just analyzing everything about it it gets uh, better the more i think about it too yeah there's just so much i i love the the scene um when he's talking to michael palin for the first time and he's like give my best to allison and the twins and he says and michael palin goes triplets and sam just goes triplets wow how time flies it's like <laughs> that's that's so funny. And like, it's in the Love Conquers All cut and it's still funny. Like, that's what I love about the Love Conquers All cut. Even though there are so many baffling mistakes, like some scenes still like make it through like the terribleness. Like they still shine because Terry Gilliam is just so funny and so talented. I mean, he's from Monty Python, so. Yeah, exactly. I, lo- I love Monty exactly. Python. I do too. I do too. I, I watched like, 12 Monkeys the other day, which was another Terry oh, Gilliam you? film about like kind of depicting yeah. us. And I know you talked about it on the podcast before. I did, yes. Uh, but, you know, Very it was kind movie. of a, another kind of dystopian depiction of, you know, uh, the future and stuff like that. But I think I like Brazil more. I think it I think it has more to say with what, with its dystopian futuristic setting, I think. Yeah. I think it's honestly, like saying more with uh, its themes and stuff like that. Yeah, honestly, I might be there with you. I think I, think I prefer Brazil too, like... I honestly think I could probably give this the full five stars the next time I see it. I'm like, same. I love this movie. Holy shit! Like, the, not since the thing have I watched a movie and automatically just like fallen in love with it, just so quickly. Like, it's oh, it's so good. I, I guess the only so, problem I'm I had so- with it was 
I guess maybe the ending was a little too back and forth for me. I don't know. Maybe I'm just weird well, like so, that. So I, are we talking about the... Uh, no, like the the, the, uh, the director's cut ending. Like, yeah, the director's cut. I mean, like, it's okay, definitely so. like much better than the TV cut ending. But I, was, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it was just kind of weirded by, like, him, like, getting arrested. But then, like, he's rescued by, uh, you know, Robert De Niro's character. And then happy ending. But then it cuts back to him. You know, I, I get I get the point of it. Maybe it was just, mm-hmm. like... Maybe it was like it went it went on for longer than it should have. Maybe I'm just kind of nitpicking though. Yeah, no, I can kind of see that. I think that's where the genius of it comes in. It's yeah, like it's really like pushing like the sappiness as it goes along, and then to the point that like the and then like the reveal of Michael Palin and Mr. Heldman just like you know coming into frame, and you're just like, oh, that it's mask like, that oh. Michael Palin was wearing, right? Wasn't that oh, the baby mask. in the uh, the baby mask? Wasn't that in the like, the dream sequences he was having too? Yeah, that's like the, like the skexy like creatures that are just like you know covered in cloth, yeah. and then they have like the baby masks. It's like yeah, that's that yes, that is from his dream sequences. Which like it's like okay, how did Michael Palin like how did he know about that mask before? having the dream sequences like because like he had the dream sequences and then like then then michael palin has the mask so it's just kind of weird that like you know but though he saw that lady in his dream before he saw her in real life well that's the other thing it's like okay how did he know that this woman existed before meeting her it was all premonition it's all a premonition maybe again this movie's not 100 percent realistic narratively maybe like you know it is kind of all it's it's told in a dreamlike sense in which case honestly I'm okay with that. Like I've said with like The Shining, I like that this movie would not be 100% realistic. Like give me that uh, semi quasi narrative with like, you know, symbolism and stuff like that. But as I've said that again, it, it really depends on how you attempt with that kind of stuff, that kind of storytelling. And I really think this movie does that much better than something like, I don't know. I can't really think of anything bad that i haven't liked that did that but you, you know what i'm trying to say yeah. right i mean i mean i think this is definitely one of the best movies of its time like in terms of like the oh 80s God, dark yeah. fantasy because like we had yeah, we had I like again dark, dark crystal labyrinth i think was yeah you know one of them yeah a lot a lot it's, of movies of this time i know fantasy was really popular in the 80s so this yeah kind of seemed like uh you know destined to come out around that time yeah, I think it's I think it's weird to kind of put this in the same boat as Labyrinth and Dark Crystal, but in a way it is, you know, because it is 80s dark fantasy. And as a massive Dark Crystal fan, yeah, I love Brazil. And I love that I love that Brazil has that extra layer of like, you know, theming to it. Like it actually has something to say. You know, it's not just like bureaucracy bad. Yeah, it is basically that. No, no, I'm not I'm so, I was trying to say no, it's not not just saying that or anything. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. You cut out, cut out there a little bit. Okay. No, but yeah, no, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, ugh, I, I sound like a man. It feels like the themes of it are, you know, are being presented, but they're not the main like focus of the movie as much as it is just kind of yes. like another layer of the cake, you know, if that makes exactly. sense. Exactly. It's, it is very much a delicious cake. Uh, yes, for sure. Yeah, I really loved it. Else you want to say? Yeah, you loved it. Yeah, I, I loved it too. Um, I might give it that five star rating like one day, one day maybe. Maybe I, 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 I would not doubt it. I so 
here, here's where we kind of discuss the DVDs and Blu-rays uh, that we have of it. So I, like I said, I have it in this 1999 Criterion DVD. Um, unfortunately, though, so like I said, it has it's, it's widescreen, but for like the four by three TVs. And I have talked about a DVD before on this podcast that I have, it, which is very similar. It was my Halloween two DVD, um, where it's in widescreen. But like, because it's being shown on a 16 by nine TV, it's just like this cube. It's like this rectangle surrounded by black bars. And I kept the Halloween two DVD because I thought it was funny, but like, I don't know, because I love and respect Brazil so much. I, it's distracting this time. Like with Halloween two, that was funny, but like here it's distracting. And I can also imagine the subtitles that. on this DVD were awful. Like they were so poor in like what the characters were actually saying and they were so like slow like they'd say what the characters are saying like two seconds after they said it it was it was really really distracting so uh you have this on the criterion blu-ray i have the criterion blu-ray for it okay so it's white so it's widescreen but not the kind of widescreen you're watching okay yeah convince me to buy the criterion blu-ray please yeah i wish it was on 4k is it on 4k I, I have no idea. But that would like, be yeah, cool though, please, otherwise. Please. Um but yeah, so it's the criterion. So it's so it has like the love conquers all uh on the criterion blue. It does, yeah. So it, it has, it has the, the black bars and the four by three uh rate aspect ratio for the TV cut. It even has it some does. of the kind of uh TV quality like recording to it. So I think that's kind of okay. cool. What what about the final cut? Is that in four by three? Oh no no that's that's uh sixteen by nine like the full okay. like, aspect all right. ratio. All right, you've convinced me. So honestly, that's a good thing. So I love this movie. I love this Criterion, but I'd rather have it on like the Criterion Blu-ray. So am I keeping this Brazil Criterion DVD? Unfortunately, no. I think it's a neat piece of history, but. I love and respect the movie so much that I need it in its highest quality. So I want the Criterion Blu-ray, but not the Criterion DVD. So unfortunately, this will not be staying in the collection. I will definitely be keeping my Criterion Blu-ray. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So I'd, I'd like glad. to watch it again one day. Again. Yeah, no, I, I'm watching this again someday soon. I, don't, I, I love it too much. Um, I'm so glad you recommended this for the podcast because I'm so glad. I love when I find new movies to love and adore. It's a lot of fun. It's very, very cool. Yeah, I've been meaning to rewatch it because like I, I haven't watched it in so long and I didn't really remember everything I fully appreciated about it the first time. But like everything I do appreciate about it now is like I a lot more than I did before. So, you know, mm. yeah, it's that's why I think yeah. the second viewing is so important when it comes to movies because you really don't know. Yeah how you feel about it until, you know, then a lot of my favorite movies I didn't fully love until like the second time I watched it. Oh yeah, no, totally. I am a huge believer in movies, uh, what I like to call rewatchability. Um, like I, I think it's important to rewatch movies like, or it's important to know which movies you want to rewatch. Cause some movies you don't want to rewatch in which case it's like, okay, did that movie actually mean anything to you? And if, you know, if you're not willing to rewatch a movie, then like, you know, that kind of tells you how important it actually is to you personally. Uh, yeah, it's so true. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's uh, that is something I've always been a huge uh, believer in. So, yeah, yeah. 
did it kind of remind you of Dune a little bit? The, uh, uh, I think like the whole like sequences of like Denis Villeneuve's Dune when he's like, like picturing the Zendaya's character and in, in his head, and uh, you know before he eventually meets her at the end. That kind of reminded me of Brazil, Brazil a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I I need to rewatch Dune twenty twenty one. Uh, I haven't seen the David Lynch Dune. Up. I have. I've seen the David Lynch <laughs> Dune. Yes, I, I heard it's not very good. Uh, I hated it the first time. I the second time I was like, all right, this is kind of funny. It, it, it's kind of charming in how terrible it is, but make no mistake, it's bad. Uh, the 2021 one uh, is very good, from what I remember. I don't know if it's five stars worthy as I gave it. I, I need to rewatch it. I own it on Blu-ray, so... I'll have to get it on 4K Blu-ray someday. Yeah, that's... Before Part 2 comes out. Make an episode on. Is Part 2 coming out this year? It is, yeah. Uh, it's coming out a week before the Marvels, so I don't know how it's going to do, but, you know, it'll oh. st- hopefully it'll still be great. Yeah, hopefully, because I did like the first one. So first I really, part, yeah. I, I might just do. I might do an episode on that when the sec when the sequel comes out. Then I think that'll be a good idea. Ooh, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, all right, uh, lazy. Uh, I'd say that just about does it. Um, why don't you shout out your stuff, please? Okay, so I have a letterboxed. It is Lazy Bones Inc. So. L-A-Z-Y-B-O-N-E-S-I-N-C. <laughs> That's just how I just spelled it out. Nice, nice. Uh, anything else you want to shout out or just letterboxed? Nah, just letterboxed. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Like you said, you don't use Twitter or YouTube anymore, which, God, I wish that was me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway, yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks uh, for having me. Talking about cocaine bear and brazil really two fun. movies released by the same studio Ex- is it yeah universal, universal. wow <laughs> yeah, look at us again with the unintentional coincidence film knowledge yeah knowledge <laughs> uh but anyway yeah thanks for coming on and thank you the listener for listening to us ramble uh like crazy people about these two movies uh if you want to support the show, give us a like, give us a comment on, give us a listen on YouTube and Spotify and Apple podcasts and I don't know, whatever. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And uh, always remember uh, the bear did cocaine. He did cocaine. It fucking did cocaine. Uh, all right. Bye-bye. Good night. Tri-state area. Just for you, I'm gonna